For those of you who are uh, been away for a while or are new here, we're going through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs entitled Live on Purpose. God has given us a beautiful, glorious purpose in this life. But the tendency is for us to live out our desires, our impulses, to live under the pressures of other people and culture, to live under the tyranny of the urgent. And we don't experience the joy and the blessing of living under God's purpose that he's given us. This sermon series seeks to help us to live intentionally, pursuing God's purpose in our lives. Today's text, as, as I mentioned, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. If you want to turn to the book of Proverbs in your Bibles or Bible app, uh, the book of Proverbs, if you kind of open your Bible right to the middle, you'll kind of get close to the book of Proverbs there. And uh, we're going to be starting off there in Proverbs 15, verse 22. To set things up here, uh, uh, any of you all familiar with the show Shark Tank? Got a few people out there familiar with Shark Tank. Enjoy that show. It's a, it's a TV show about uh, 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 aspiring entrepreneurs uh, who are coming before these wealthy investors to pitch their new ideas that they've come up with or they've started. And uh, they're looking for financial investment to, eat, to expand or to keep their, their business going or growing. But they're also looking for uh, uh, wisdom and insight from a particular investor. These are successful business men and women who come with great expertise and access. In one of the episodes, there was an entrepreneur who ended up giving up an, a whole lot more of his uh, business than he originally anticipated. Of course, for these sharks, they're in it for the money for themselves. They're, they're investing because they want to return on their investment. And, uh, of course, if you've watched the show, you know Mr. Wonderful. He's particularly uh, 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 evil at times in his efforts to get money. But this particular shark, again, he came in and he had standards and percentages of his business that he wanted to uh, uh, share. And it went a whole lot farther than he had anticipated. But he decided to go forward anyways in that uh, 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 investment, in that decision. And it was the right decision for this particular investor because he knew that not only with the money, the financial investment, but without the wisdom of somebody else other than himself, his business was already going to fail. He needed somebody other than himself who was wise and experienced, who saw things differently, to give him perspective. He came out of that uh, uh, session with the sharks. Being chewed up. And he said this quote. This really sets up today. Why did, what, you know, the response was, why did you sacrifice so much? And he said, if you hang around four broke people, you'll be the fifth. I'm glad I got a deal with one of the sharks. What he's getting at with this comment, with this, with this kind of proverb of sorts, if you hang around four broke people, you'll be the fifth, is that we are highly influenced by the people we're around, right? Now, we talk about this, we know about this in terms of teenagers. We talk about peer pressure and peer influences. This is true for all of us at every stage of our lives. We are highly influenced by the people that we're around. Who we decide to spend our time with will have a very big impact on our behavior. This entrepreneur knew that he needed 
someone with experience, with expertise, with excellence, with success. He needed to surround himself with that kind of people in order for him to experience the success in his business. As we seek to live on purpose for the greatest purpose of all, we need to surround ourselves with people who are headed in that same direction. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask for your work in us in this time. For our hearts to be open to your truth. You give us great insight into how to experience and thrive in this life. You didn't just come to save us for the next life. You came to give us abundant life in this life. You gave us wisdom for that. But God, there's shame. There's pride. There's laziness in our hearts that gets in the way of us taking advantage of your insight and your wisdom and your truth. Spirit, I pray for you to come upon me, Lord, in my sinfulness and my weakness, to be able to communicate your truth clearly and let you do the work. In your name we pray. Amen. Just a real quick recap as we've been talking. We have been given purpose. If we're not clear that the purpose doesn't come from within us, but comes from an objective source that never changes outside of us, it's our creator, the one who loves us. He's given us purpose, ultimate purpose. And everything in this life, God intends to serve that purpose, not to be that purpose for us. Whether it's our jobs, whether it's our, our, our leisure, our comfort, entertainment, wealth, family even. God is the one who's our ultimate purpose that allows all these things in this life to be used and enjoyed properly. That purpose that he set us on, as Jesus summarized, is to love God and love others. We walk through the importance we've got to keep God's purpose in front of us repeatedly because we'll deviate. We'll go every which way. That's the nature of human beings. We've got to keep God's purpose in front of us. But not only that, we also learned that we've got to have a plan. We've got to strategically take time to structure God's purpose into our daily lives. Weekly planning, we talked about, was, uh, is a great discipline in which we can take what is most important this week and, 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 and decide and determine where are we going to fit that in using the illustration of big rocks, if you will, by Stephen Covey. If we're not intentional, if we don't have a plan, we will again give power to the tyranny of the urgent in our lives. But we went further last week to talk about the importance of diligence. Too often, our aspirations, our hopes are just that, and they never end up becoming actions because we, 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 we don't take seriously the influence of our emotions, the people and the circumstances in our lives. That we need diligence. There's an intentional kind of grit, a persistence, a consistency that we have to fight in order to keep our purpose in our lives and to cultivate it. To cultivate it in in a way that, that, that it creates permanent changes. And we talked about the importance of habits. Holy habits, healthy habits. These habits are what powerfully instruct and inform each of us. So if our habits aren't informed by our purpose, our habits will form us in ways that lead us away from our purpose. Today, we're talking about 
the significance of people in our lives in order to pursue our purpose. It's the first point here. We cannot accomplish our purpose alone. We were made for community. No human being is an island. In the, in, 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 in the beginning, God created man in his image in community. He created us, male and female. And it's, and it's the one thing that he said is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2. In all of creation, everything is good. But it is not good for man to be alone. We were created for community. In Proverbs 15, 22, as we already read earlier, it says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Bruce Waltke, an Old Testament scholar, says this. It is necessary to have a number of counselors to offset the weaknesses, ignorance, and limitations of each individual. If you're offended, you have a distorted view of yourself. Each resolution succeeds because it emerges out of humility and trust as members submit themselves to be corrected in open Honest counsel. What Walke is, is acknowledging there is we're limited. We can't see everything. We can't know everything. We need others in our lives. Solomon goes on later in the book of Ecclesiastes to say this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We, we face a virus in our soul. We call it sin. Sin doesn't just separate us from God. I want to be my own God is the essence of sin. Sin separates us from each other. We were created to live and exist within community with each other. Sin says, I don't need others. Sin says, hide from others because they're a threat. They will hurt you. They're not good for you. Sin says, I can do it on my own. I don't need. The wisdom of God's word acknowledges when, we're hum- when we humble ourselves, we have an honest view that I don't, I'm not self-sufficient. I don't have all the resources I need to, to, to live in this life, to, to be a healthy, whole human being. By myself, I need other people. Whether it's for resources, we have, to, we have to exist in society, right? You're not self-sufficient unto yourself. You still have to engage in the marketplace. And come. We need each other because we're not fully, complete, perfect, self-sustaining beings. There's only one that is, and that's God. And we're not God. We need others to help us see in this life. We're limited in our vision. We're limited on our perspective of, of, of all the things in this life, the wisdom of how to navigate situations. We've not experienced all situations in our workplace or in our family. Some of you are starting new families. Some of you are just married. Some of you are starting new jobs or new seasons in life. There's people who've gone before us who can provide perspective that we don't have. There are also things we cannot know about ourselves. Look at this illustration here. I think it's helpful. There is a a cylinder here, but the two people 
can only see from their point of view, their perspective in life. One sees this is a circle. That's all they see. That's all they know. But that's only their limited view. The other point sees a rectangle. And their perspective isn't wrong, but it's not complete. There is truth, objective truth. It's a cylinder. But we need each other to be able to see the whole picture. We need others to see ourselves. We cannot see ourselves fully, completely. Whether that's an arrogant, inflated idea of ourselves, or that is a distorted and destructive uh, view of ourselves that we're worthless. There's other words with that. We need community. Take a moment here. As I mentioned, this sermon series is, a, is quite a bit different than, than, than what I normally do. This is a little bit more of kind of a workshop formation. So take a pause here. And again, I'll be sending out the, the, the slides uh, a, a, after church so you have them. But take a moment here and just ponder these questions. If you're a note taker, write them down. Pull up your phone and, and type it on your notes. Are you in community with other believers who can, who can and do speak into your life? Are you in community with other believers who can and do speak in your life? If not... Why not? Take a moment for some self-examination. What would be the next step for you to take to bring people into your life? Take a moment to reflect on that. It's not enough to have people in our lives. The type of people in our lives is critical and significant. In Proverbs 22, you can go to the next slide there, Ron. Excuse me, Proverbs 12, 26. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The, 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 the type of person uh, uh, that is in our lives, if they're a righteous person, they're going to be a good guide. They're going to lead us in good ways. But the person who is sinful, who lives for themselves, Wicked doesn't mean somebody who is uh, 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 like, a, uh, like a Jeffrey Dahmer or a mass murderer, uh, some narcissist or sociopath. A wicked is just somebody who's living for themselves. They will lead us away. They'll influence us. In Col- excuse me, Corinthians 15 says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Paul's speaking here in this context uh, about the, the church there being led away from the truth by other people who are not grounded in Jesus Christ and in the Scriptures. This is a truth, a phenomenon we know in our lives. Who we surround ourselves with matter. Science has, has, has verified this and validated this in so many different ways. One of the terms they use is social proximity effect that, that, that captures the essence of that, that phrase that uh, uh, was mentioned earlier by the shark, or excuse me, by the entrepreneur. You hang around four broke people, you'll be the fifth. Whether it's our, our habits related to eating or, or, or drinking or, or, or smoking or finances or whether that's with our getting, getting in the word and having devotion, going to church, growing in Christ. The people that we're around 
will, will directly influence us. Uh, one of the researchers from the University of Amsterdam says this, anything our friends do influences us in ways that are conscious or not conscious of. Their presence can decide whether we act on the health information that we receive or ignore it. One of the examples was that if, uh, uh, if we surround ourselves with people who eat a lot, we will eat more with them. Our eating habits are directly influenced. If somebody is eating more, there's just something unconscious. My wife and I talk about this. She, she gets drawn into this because she feels, I think, more of a survival issue that the, us boys are like wolves, you know, eating food. And she's like, I got to survive. Give me some of that. <laughs> Consider it. If you're around people who tend to gossip and tend to be critical, you're going to be more likely to be a gossiper and be critical in your thoughts and your statements of others. If you're around people, men, if we're around other men who are seeking to love their spouses, love their wives and be sacrificial and to lift them up and to honor them, men, we are more likely to act in that way. Ladies, if you're surrounded by, by women who, who are not cutting their husbands down, but seeking to honor and respect them and pray for them, if you're surrounded by such women, you're going to behave that way. You're going you're gonna to tend to act that way. You're going to want to act that way. If you're surrounded by people in the workplace who seek excellence and want to give their best and want to benefit the company, that they're working for, regardless of how they're treated themselves, but they want to give their best. If you're surrounded by that kind of person, you're going to be motivated. You're going to be encouraged. You want to do the same. If you're surrounded by people who are in God's word, who are seeking to do personal devotions or family devotions, who are going to small groups. If you surround yourself by those people, you are going to be influenced to do the same thing. Bad company corrupts good character. But a righteous person is a guide. Do we have those kind of people in our lives? Take a moment here to go through this list. Again, pause and reflect for yourself. Reflect on the people you spend the majority of your time around. Are they headed in the same direction as your God-given purpose? And the holy or healthy habits that you're wanting to develop? Take a moment and think about, describe, who's the type of people you need to be around to reach your purpose your goals. Where would you find such people who specifically names who specifically fits that description? Who are some of the people that maybe need to have less influence in your life, less time around? Now this, I want to just make a point here. This doesn't mean you remove uh, uh, all people who are not believers in your life. You only hang around people who are Christians. That's not what this is getting at. Who do you have the most Time around. Who has the most influence on your life? That's what we're talking about. We need to be influencing uh, uh, people in the community. We need to be a presence uh, among people who are in broken places and in sin and, 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 and in need of Jesus Christ. We need to have non believers as friends. If we don't have them, that's a problem. It's unhealthy. But who has power? Who's in your inner circle? Because they, they, are, they are already determining and influencing your behavior. 
Now, there's two specific kinds of relationships that Proverbs gets into here in terms of the, the needs that we have for people in our lives. The first is a mentor, a kind of mentor, a counselor, or advisor. We all need mentors or advisors, people who have further experience in life than us to provide us wisdom and skills as they speak into our lives. Let's take a look at these scriptures here. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You can go back to that one real quick here, Ron. Listen to this, friends. If you are not open to receiving wisdom or advice from others for receiving feedback, do you see what, the script, what, what you're called? See what, what, what that makes us? We're a fool. Let it sink in. If we are unwilling to receive feedback, to seek advice, to incorporate the perspective of others in our life, we are a fool. What that means is that we're, we are, are, have agreed to receive all the consequences of doing life on our own in God's world. And there will be consequences, and there are. There's arrogance in us if we do not choose to incorporate the wisdom of others in our lives. Let's keep going. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. So it's not just that we seek perspective, but do do you read that? abundance of counselors. We need many, you know, in organizations, we call them kind of a board of directors or board of advisors. We kind of need that in our personal life, a personal board of advisors. We need a variety of people with a variety of different experiences, whether that relates to the workplace, whether that relates to family life or personal life. We need people in terms of recreation, spirituality. We need people of all different sorts, flavors, genders, experiences in our lives speaking to us because we need that wisdom and perspective for by wise guidance, you can wage war your war. And in the abundance of counselors, there is victory again for the strategic purposes of the decisions we make. We need many people, many advisors, many mentors in our lives. And finally, Paul says this, This is in the New Testament. Paul just demonstrating the continuity of this wisdom. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's telling the believers here in the the church of Corinth, look at my life. Look at my life. Look at at my my, my beliefs. Look at my behaviors. Look look at my attitude, my affection. Look at all. Watch me. Because you need an example. You need an image to replace the image of your parents or to replace the image of, of those powerful people early on in your life. You need an alternate image. And, and follow me because I'm in pursuit of Jesus. Now, i got to keep Jesus in front of me in order to be a healthy, holy example for you. We need mentors or advisors in our lives. Secular worlds recognize the power of 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 uh, mentoring. There's, there's a variety of different powerful mentoring relationships uh, uh, that have existed. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates learned uh, an enormous amount by seeking out uh, uh, Warren Buffett and learning from him both in business practices, in wealth management, and philanthropy. 
Whether you like these people or agree with them or not, their success, if you will, was directly related to their mentoring relationship in their lives. Robert De Niro uh, attributes his acting career to Stella Adler, who he learned method acting from, and he was a student under her and continued to have her as a mentor in his life, in his craft as an actor. In terms of developing skills in our lives, we need mentors to help us grow in learning and developing excellence in the skills that God has given us and the gifts God has given us. Another famous mentoring relationship, Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. Okay, we'll just keep, we'll keep going there. Elizabeth Elliot. About the same as more. Oh, whew. Okay, got some opinions out there. Elizabeth Elliot and Johnny Erickson Tata. Elizabeth Elliot, uh, missionary wife, lost her husband, uh, who were killed by uh, indigenous people uh, as they sought to bring the gospel to them. Johnny Erickson Tata is a quadriplegic, and they connected over suffering and deep tragedy and, 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 and growing in Christ. Together and they learn. She Johnny Exertata learned from Elizabeth Elliot, and they spent many, many years in deep friendship, growing together. Tony Dungy and Benjamin Watson. Uh, when I started this series off, he used a video from Benjamin Watson, and and his example as as he has a family mission and, and 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 purpose to seek to glorify God in his family and see his family make an impact in this world. He seeks out Tony Junji, and they've got a great relationship in, in, in seeing the kingdom of God grow and flourish together. But also so that Ben can learn what it means to be a, a healthy, godly husband and father. Both men in the industry of, of, of the National Football League and great, but even greater men of God. In the corporate world, Fortune 500 companies, 70% of Fortune 500 companies have begun to employ mentoring programs. Employees who are mentored are promoted five, more time, five times more than those who are not. The mentors themselves are promoted six times more than those who are not engaged in mentoring relationships. Retention rates for the, the mentees in this corporate environment, 72% compared to 49%. The unfortunate reality based on this study at Sun Microsystems was that only 37% of employees, only 37% of employees had mentors. But consider the impact, the significance that mentoring has made. And it's not just in, uh, and for the purposes of godliness, it's in every area of our life. That mentoring is powerful. There's different kinds of mentoring to just consider here. There's personal mentors. There are people who know us. And these personal mentoring relationships can happen on a couple different levels. It could be informal, where it's just a case-by-case basis, as needed, no structure. And this is led by those who are uh, 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 of us who recognize, you know what? I need to grow. You've got a skill or you've, you've got a, a, a quality lifestyle and, and, and uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, a family life. I, I, I want to learn from you. And we call those people up and with specific situations and, and, uh, and we reach out to them and ask for their advice. And then there's formal, which is more structured. This is 
This is where we set up weekly or, or monthly gatherings together. And, and we've got goals that we're working on. It tends to be more led by the mentor in this relationship. But these are long-term kinds of relationships. Like, like Elizabeth Elliot and, and Johnny Erickson Tata of decades together. Of growing and doing life and experiencing transformation. And then finally, there's impersonal mentors. These are people who don't know us. These are people that we might reach out to, respect them for, for their gifts and their skills, uh, uh, again, or their lifestyle. Uh, and this might be through books or podcasts or videos that we, we look to have these people mentor us, but it's from a distance. This is good. Impersonal mentors are good, but they're not enough, friends. We need people who know us. We need people who understand us, can speak to us about us, but also know our specific situations in life to be able to speak into it. The thing about mentoring that the the scriptures are telling us, this is proactive. This is proactive. This isn't when the, when, when things hit the fan and I'm in crisis, like help me get out of this. That's when we oftentimes reach out, right? The wisdom of God's word is you, you don't have to end up in these situations. You see, with a mentor in your life, you can learn from people who've gone before you, whether it's in family or, or in pursuit of Christ in your own home, personal life or it's at workplace. Or, these people have experience. You can learn from their victories. We can learn from their failures. So we don't have to repeat them. This is preventative. Consider these questions. Do you ever reach out to anyone for any advice or counsel? Or do you only wait till things go wrong? Who is currently on your personal board of directors? Who would you like to be speaking into your life? Who's someone in this church or our community that you respect their character, the relationship with Christ that you would like to have as a model in your life? Again, we need living, breathing examples to follow. We've got imprinted, automatic responses of how to live, how to think, that have been formed in us early on in life. We need other options, other other examples, in order to change the script, in order to pursue Christ intentionally. We need mentors. We need people who've gone before us to speak into us. We also need peers that we, that who will encourage us and hold us accountable in the pursuit of purpose. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. This is a common uh, verse that oftentimes men use in relationships. But as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Bruce Waltke, Old Testament scholar here, says this. The analogy in here of iron sharpening irons is that friends persist. The friend here in this example persists and does not shy away from giving critical, constructive criticism. As a result of his or her having a hard friend, a true one, a man or woman develops the capacity to succeed in his tasks as an effective tool. And in the end, He or she will thank his friend for being hard as flint. We need people who will speak the truth in love to us. 
Otherwise, we will not be honed. We will not be shaped in becoming like Christ. Hebrews, which the passage that was read earlier says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. He who's promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more. We need people to speak truth into our lives, the hard things, but we need encouragement to keep going. We need this community where we have peers together that are lifting us up in pursuit of Christ, in pursuit of purpose, and we're headed in the same direction. They'll be honest with us. Too often in our shame or in our pride, we remove people from our lives or we stand at a distance so they don't know what's really going on. We're afraid if they know what they might say, they might hurt us. We're afraid that we might be wrong. We don't need help. I've got it. The most dangerous words a human can say out loud or in their head. I've got this. We need people, whether it's life in general, to hold us accountable. Who's asking the hard kinds of questions for you and I in our lives? How's your marriage? How's your How's your thought life been? These aren't the kinds of questions that are, that are probing for the purpose of mining things to judge you. You know, part of our problem is trust, right? That's one of the reasons that keeps us isolated. We, we, we're not going to create relationships with trust without risking trust. Now, here's the deal, friends. This starts with Jesus Christ first and foremost. You see, if we're, our, we're not anchored in Jesus and him and his work for us, if we don't have, remember that purpose, we laid it out. It's I am loved by God. I love God and I love others. If we're not anchored in this truth that Jesus coming and he died for me, my identity is set in him. I'm not going to take risks in relationships, right? Because it's too scary. It's too threatening. Satan wants to keep you and I isolated because he doesn't want us to change. He doesn't want us to be liberated. If we don't open our hearts, if we don't take the risk, because we're standing on Jesus Christ and his love for us and his work on us, we will not put ourselves in places where we can grow. You see, friends, when we open up, I called my, my, one of my accountability partners up a, a, a week ago, said, you know what, my, the purity battle is, it is rough and it's real. I need your accountability. I need you to pray for me. I need you to check in on me. If I didn't open myself up, and that vulnerability to say, I'm struggling. I wouldn't be able to receive the good news of Jesus through him, to receive his compassion, to receive his, his collaboration. He's in it with me. And he himself was encouraged and shared as well struggles. You, do you find that? That when we courageously begin to open up, and obviously we, we, we are wise in terms of who we're, our inner circle is with trust. But we courageously open up. Others open up as well. Have you noticed that? When we provide that safe place. But if we don't open up, friends, we can't hear truth. And we stay stuck in a feedback loop of lies. That hamster on that wheel is going nowhere fast. And we hear the same messages about ourselves over and over. And all we do is we stay stuck when we invite others into our lives through accountability we experience the joy and the pleasure of being able to receive christ through them 
This may, again, it may be in general. We've got men's groups, women's groups that are, that, that are, that, that engage in this kind of accountability, talking about asking about finances, asking about relationships, purity, marriage, integrity, work ethic, these kinds of things. We need to ask those questions of each other, not as a threat, but because we love each other. That's what you do. Those kinds of questions shouldn't be threatening to us. If that's, if that is a threat, friends, that's Satan. That is demonic. That is shame for others to know us, for those things to be asked and for us to share. This may be also specific kinds of goals where we need peers in our lives. Maybe it's, it, it, we need that person to meet us up at the, the gym because we know if, if we got somebody at the gym that we're going to let down, we're more likely to be there rather than hitting snooze over and over and over, right? It's really motivating to have somebody there in our, in our lives in that. Maybe specific things like finances, diet, exercise, our work excellence, productivity, getting in the word of God. Specific areas may be the focus for us. Here's the questions for you to ask. Who in your life is encouraging you and holding you accountable for your purpose, goals, and habits? What would be the next step to add accountability relationships into your life? What keeps you from being in community and having mentors or accountability relationships? Do you need to let Jesus address shame, laziness, or pride in your hearts? As I conclude here, when I was in high school, I was stuck deep in in pornography and just self-gratification. It, 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 it was deep roots that started early on. It's, it's 10 years old in my life. And as God, uh, 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 as God saved me, drew me to himself, I joined a, a men's group. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. And in this men's group, these guys started talking about pornography, masturbation, sexual purity, wanting to respect other, other ladies and, and, and to, to live honoring lives for, for, for God. And, and I was extremely uncomfortable and very overwhelmed by the candidness and the honesty of what was being shared. But at the same time, I was incredibly relieved I wasn't the only one. I was incredibly encouraged by, the, by their courage. They openly shared about their struggles. But these, these, these guys, they were, they were pursuing Christ. The purpose of the sharing wasn't, well, there wasn't shaming. There was encouragement. We're in the battle together. Two years being part of this group, and by God's grace, I was free from pornography. And down a road of, of digging deeper, uh, of the Lord beginning to, 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 to heal and touch on areas of, of, of wounds in my life that the pornography had been covering. From that point on, I learned I've got to have other men in my life. I've got to aggressively pursue spaces where I need to be vulnerable in order to protect my soul. And that has been a a, a blessing to me to pursue that wherever I go, whatever stage of life I'm in, to seek other men and that community, but also to create that around me. As we've been seeing in God's word today. If we're going to live on purpose, we've got to surround ourselves with people who are headed in that direction. This isn't a good idea. This is God's idea. 
And it's necessary. What is your next step? What is your next step in terms of these relationships? And who to reach out to to seek to come alongside you for God's glory and for your own good and transformation? I'm going to pray and let the worship team come on forward. Holy Spirit, thank you for your truth and your word, which is good. Thank you for your wisdom and insight that the world recognizes the power of. But God, we, they, they certainly don't want to acknowledge the author and the source. But God, we want to submit to you. We want to receive your way. Lord God, I pray that you would meet us in that place of fear, that place of shame. If people know, if, if they really knew what was going on, they'd reject me. We just come against that lie in Jesus' name. Lord, we just pray for those who are, who are struggling with pride. I don't need help. I'm good. I've got this. God, I pray for your grace to just soften that heart. That, 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 that these relationships aren't a threat. They only exist to make such a person even better. As a follower of you, it actually seeks to give them freedom. Lord God, we pray for your work in us, Lord God, to take that next step. That we would go beyond just hearing this and considering it and then letting it go and forgetting about it tomorrow. But God, to take action. We pray for that work. In your name we pray. Amen.